Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 25th episode of Loud and Anxious. This is Serena. And this is Murat. How are you, Murat? Good, good. I, I feel okay. <laughs> good, good. I feel okay. Nice. Uh, how are you? Oh, I feel destroyed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that uh, in 2021, I uh, uh, stay up late uh, only two times. One it was in your place for dinner mm-hmm. and uh, one was yesterday. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm completely uh, destroyed because of this. Even if I did not do uh, crazy stuff, uh, I just uh, drink a couple of beers and stuff. So yeah, I'm not used to it anymore. And then, mm. uh, you know, it was uh, really nice. I used the outside and it looks like that finally we are going outside uh, this situation. And uh, yeah, they just published the new restrictions. They will so close it. Yeah, I, I, I read in the newspaper or in, the, in a news website that uh, from one club, I think hundreds of people get uh, Corona due to a couple of uh, positive people went in yeah. clubbing and they spread it to like <laughs> many people inside the in, inside the club so i think they decided to close these nightclubs and op- late uh, opening for bars etc yeah but also there why do you want to open clubs if the whole population is not completely vaccinated yeah i don't know i do i really don't understand what the government does from time to time yeah also there's this thing that they remove the mask in inside the places the, the, especially these supermarkets and I, the other day I, I i went to supermarket and it was fully crowded i, I could barely find the you know the cart yeah and i was nearly the only one maybe another uh, woman with me with masks but everyone was kind of uh, without masks yeah i i don't understand it's a very simple thing it's not that bothering me and I have a glass. I yeah. have glasses there, so sometimes I got like you know, uh, it blurs my vision. But other than that, I think for this minimum safety uh, issue is you can you can just take this me- measure. Yeah, yeah. I uh, also I also don't understand all this hate mm-hmm. about the mask here. Like uh, they feel it as a um, restriction to their freedom. Yeah, exactly. Un- un- I mean, unbelievable. I don't know. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, honestly, uh, I think that this virus will destroy maybe not us, but our economies because people don't get it. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe maybe it's true. Maybe it was all the strategy of China uh, mm. because they know that China would survive to the virus because they're really organized and stuff. And mm-hmm. while the other parts of the world are not, they I are don't know. Not. No, I don't understand. Also, uh, okay, it's nice to be in a Western country. It's much better than to be in Turkey. Uh, but this, uh, like feeling of uh, they have when they limit something they just it's an uproar against every rule because it's limiting their freedom is unbelievable yeah they cannot really think that these measures are taken for the overall good of people and it's not like we are going to prison eh? no it's it's just a a few uh, limitation of hours yeah uh, wear a mask and uh, just don't go and start licking people yeah oh by the way yesterday i was uh outside there was all these guys in their 20s like literally group of 30 people moving together mm-hmm. and then they were like hugging each other and just uh, literally like uh, jumping one on another yeah. and i was like guys there's like a fucking pandemic around yeah. and you don't have the vaccine seriously it's unbelievable and, and these guys are the, yeah the dutch people especially the guys they are so against physical touch 
They get so nervous when you hug or something. Yeah, but they were drunk. Unlike Turkish people. No, the, the thing is that when it's forbidden, they start doing it. Oh, They start okay. kissing each other because why not? Because it... <laughs> New trend. In, in, in a normal time, I, I tried to kiss uh, two Dutch guys well, by kiss. I mean, like, it's, it's very common in Turkish. Mm-hmm. To, when you greet, you you kiss by the cheek. Yeah. One of them was nearly fainting, literally. The okay. guy, well, he didn't know what to do. He was like... Uh, how to say stone fight yeah. let's say and the other one was became so red yeah and he sweated like I said what the fuck come on yeah. uh, it's not like I, I put my tongue inside your uh, mouth it's yeah. just yeah but then I learned so I just shake hands now N- never touch anywhere else than there or sometimes I even only wave hands yeah yeah exactly yeah to be safe uh, in central or north europe you just uh, uh, see what the other person does or yeah. you just uh, say hello uh, wave ends as you said um well of course if i meet other italians i know which is the custom but mm-hmm. with other cultures i don't know so yeah. and now with corona it's like no i don't i'm not touching you anyone much, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad because I also don't hug my friends since a long time. Mm. But, uh, yeah, uh, just for the sake of uh, everyone's safety. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the the thing that I was thinking is that, you know, I started to make up my mind for going to concert again. And Mm -hmm. if they restricted it, yeah, they would be cancelled. Yes, I also had that feeling. (sighs) Well... No, but I don't understand the government. Why you just take the minimum measures off so you free everything, then... People like when you just shake a cola cola and then you open the yeah. bottle, it goes all over the place, right? This is what's happening right now. Yeah. Outside. Yeah, and they're so stupid because at the end, you know what will happen. They they knew about the Delta variant. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you see, uh, there's also the big question mark if we will be able to go home. <laughs> yeah, this is also started to uh, we start to get anxious about it yeah. because now uh, again, Nader- Netherlands is going to a bad place. Yeah, it will be a risky country, and we will fly from Germany. Mm-hmm. I don't know what will happen if Germany says, "Okay, we don't get people from Netherlands." Yeah, well, maybe you can rebook a flight from Schiphol. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, we had this uh, uh, COVID cancellation insurance for the uh, tickets. Mm-hmm. So at least what we can do, we can just cancel them and take open tickets. Okay. So whenever it's uh, good. But it, it would be also nice because we planned our holiday nicely with my uh, parents and my uh, family, uh, also yeah. AJS family. But yeah, it is what it is. I don't want to risk anyone. And I of don't course. want to go to Turkey and not being able to come back here. Uh, this is another question yeah. mark yes yeah because i also we also just took the booking for our second vaccination the day not the day but the day after that we came back to the netherlands mm-hmm. so we come back 18th and 19th of august we will have the second vaccination mm-hmm. and we want to get the second vaccination as soon as p- possible because we, then we will go to a motorcycle trip mm-hmm. like uh, three weeks after that and you know that you need two weeks uh, in between your second vaccination and being able to travel uh, freely in Europe. Okay. Otherwise, you need a PCR test. Okay. But yeah, let's see. I I uh, like day after day, I'm losing my uh, trust against the, the government, the Dutch government, and also Dutch people. Yeah. I don't understand how how they cannot really behave. 
Uh, well, I came here and I thought it was super organized that they have this high sense of, uh, you know, uh, community Commun and yeah. stuff. And then I realized that there are like, uh, maybe it's the situation that they, they make them crazy. I don't know. But like uh, really if between no vax people, the people that said that Corona is not a mm -hmm. big deal, the people that says that uh, they, they don't, even if uh, the situation is uh, uh, critical, they will not follow the, the guidelines. The rules. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it's, it's really, I cannot, I mean, I'm really um, frustrated about this country. Yeah, right I, now. I'm literally amazed about them. <coughs> Sorry. Oh. Anyway, let's talk about something nicer. Yeah. So today it will be my third biography. Uh, yes. Yeah? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I decided to do it with one of my uh, musical heroes. Uh, Neil Peart is uh, was the drummer of uh, Rush, and I will give some fun facts or some interesting facts that I found and gathered. Uh, yeah, why you say was? Uh, is it dead? He 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 died last year. Really? Yeah. Oh, at which age? Uh, seven, uh, Sixty-seven. Uh, wow. Quite early of age, yeah. I would say, but he had a uh, brain cancer. Oh my God! Yeah. So he for the last three and a half year of his life he battled it. Uh, it was never public. Uh, the, the family announced it after his passing away that mm. he, he endured the cancer uh, for three and a half uh, years, let's say. Okay. So I will give some uh, fun facts or some interesting information. Uh, you, you can also ask questions or uh, just comment on them. First, uh, he, he's Canadian. He's a Canadian musician, mm -hmm. a Canadian slash uh, uh, American, because he moved to California uh, w with the band. I think at age of uh, 35, 40, mm -hmm. and he also got uh, American citizenship up to afterwards. Uh, he was a uh, son of a farmer, so he mm -hmm. was actually a, f a farm boy. He raised up uh, as a farm boy, but he started drumming or per let's say percussioning quite early in his life with some trash cans, etc. Oh, nice! That he had around, so he was really like he, uh, he had the rhythm, let's say, in in his uh, blood. Uh, he wasn't the original uh, drummer of Rush. Uh, everyone thinks that the Rush, uh, well, he was uh, one of the founder of Rush, but actually he was uh, auditioned and uh, joined after the first album. Mm -hmm. So the first album, uh, it was uh, with another drummer, uh, John Rutsi. Uh, then he left because he had some health issues and he was not very happy with the sound of the band. So he was asking for something else. And uh, they auditioned. And actually the first audition was very bad uh, of Neil Peart, it, it said in uh, 1974, but then they ga gave him another chance because th the other drummers that applied were not also so brilliant, mm -hmm. and then he des they decided to hire uh, Neil the very uh, <laughs> how to say, uh, strange thing that they had a really big gig uh, two weeks later that he joined, mm -hmm. and they uh, performed uh, in front of 10,000 people Wow, and he did actually very good with only two weeks of rehearsing with the band. Mm -hmm. So that you can see how uh, special uh, he was. Uh, his nickname is the Professor. Uh, he doesn't have any academical uh, career or something. It's called the Professor from the for the other drummers because many big drummers like Portnoy or uh, you know uh, Dave Grohl or. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot think about other things, but lots of prog drummers or uh, rock drummers uh, or uh, punk drummers, they tell that they learned a lot from Neil Peart's uh, drumming style. So 
uh, they were mimicking him and he was always a very helpful a nice guy to uh, find time and chat with them spend time with other artists to share knowledge etc so well he, he was called the professor mainly uh, they also uh, yeah he's very well known for his uh, he's adapting his play style to ma many kinds of music so he played uh, progressive rock with rush but he also performed with lots of jazz blues artists as good as many jazz drummers and he also yeah he was one of the best because of his uh, capability of variety let's say mm -hmm. uh, they always said that and uh, if you listen to rush i think it's one of the first bands to introduce that much jazziness in rock music okay and it's uh, let, let's say because of his uh, influence from other big uh, jazz drummers uh, he's uh, he's an extremely uh, shy and introverted child he was and he, he was also a very uh, introverted guy in all his life and uh, he also came to a point to quit uh, a touring, becoming the, uh, like being a the touring artist for Rush. And he just wanted to record because he was just so intimidated by this uh, f uh, meet and greets with fans. Mm. But was considered like part of Rush or he was always uh, kind of a touring guy or like a recording no, guy? No, no, he became uh, one of the like uh, the pillar of Rush. Mm -hmm. Rush is only three people, but he was also the lyricist. So oh, really? I, yeah, yeah, I was uh, going to mention about it. Uh, so he, he was writing the lyrics of most of the songs and he was also a writer. He has seven books. Uh, so he wrote like uh, novel books, you mean? Uh, no, non-fictional books, okay. mainly about his uh, experiences or uh, his, uh, how to say, hard times uh, about the shyness. Or also, again, I will uh, come it later. He lost uh, his daughter uh, when his daughter was around 19 or 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And he had a big hiatus from music uh, with de depression yeah, after losing his daughter. but. Then he came back and joined back to Rush. They started to do music again. And yeah, he kind of uh, channeled his pain to his book and uh, to the lyrics in, uh, in the album, mm -hmm. let's say. Uh, so let's continue. Uh, you were at the fact that uh, he was so shy that he, uh, he was thinking to uh, quit uh, recording, uh, sorry, touring uh, with yeah. Rush. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he he wanted to just be the session musician, so mm -hmm. to record. But then he was well. The, the other guys they um, convinced him, saying that yeah, the, the the best part is to actually play live, right? Because okay, the, to write and to sell uh, to do music was nice, but to share it with audience is also another experience. So they kind of convinced him to continue doing this mm -hmm. and but also he is he's a very nice guy it seems and he never turned down uh, a chat with fans or etc so uh, he always pushed himself to actually uh, chat with fans after the shows etc etc he's in childhood he wanted to become a hockey player well he's a canadian so it's not a big surprise but he had a very bad uh, ankles and uh, joints so he kept uh, having injuries 
then he and he was he didn't have a strong body. Yeah, also say. for a drummer is not a nice thing, eh? Yeah, but uh, actually a drum, yeah, a good drummer, we, you, you don't get too much tired when you play drum. Okay. So uh, he he just wanted to become a hockey player. He couldn't, and then he channeled all his uh, like energy, let's say, to drumming. Uh, and one fun fact uh, about him is that he's like a very good friends with the creators of uh, South Park, mm-hmm. and uh, the South Park uh, they did a, a nice animated sequence for their video clip of Tom Sawyer. It's it's a very uh, uh, how to say famous song of Rush. Okay. So uh, f- they were having uh, like chats, and uh, the guys uh, said that okay, we want to do a video clip for you. And uh, in the intro of the clip uh, of uh, video clip of Tom Sawyer, uh, there are like Kylie, Cartman, Kenny, and Stan. <laughs> you can see them in the in the video clip. Uh, he always mentioned that uh, Led Zeppelin's John Bonham and Keith Moon of The Who mm-hmm. were his inspirations. But both names are like giants in, in, yeah, exactly. in drumming, so it's no big surprise. Uh, I even uh, know surprise. Keith Moon. So, <laughs> uh, so he also had a very strong opinion about the movie Whiplash. Uh, you know the movie? No. Uh, it's a it's a story of of a jazz drummer yeah. uh, going to a, a what was the school in New York, Juilliard. Yeah, okay. Ju- Juilliard is also. A, but it's a ballet school. No, then a, a jazz school. I don't. Uh, there there was a, a music school as famous as Juilliard. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so it it the story is there, and there was a very strict drumming, uh, 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 not not drumming, uh, a teacher. Uh, you know the the small the, the big bands. Yeah. So he's the composer uh, and the, like the conductor of this uh, big band, and uh, he pushed uh, the drummer uh, until he cracks. So the story is a, is a big drama about mm-hmm. it. But it, it's like a, then the drummer comes back. Uh, he like reborn from the ashes, etc. But there are some uh, scenes where the drummer was uh, trying to improve his drumming he was working hard and he had like lots of uh, uh, injuries in his hand uh, mm-hmm. lots of bleeding etc and Neil Peart says yeah, that this is just not true because as a jazz drummer you don't hit hard and you don't really get those kinds of pain in your hand okay about it so he, he really had to point it out these in yeah, interviews yeah, no, and the stuff di- these kinds of things so he he said that okay the, the, it's, it's a nice movie story but uh, but uh, from a drumming point of view it's, it's bullshit so <laughs> he was uh, not so impressed uh, he's also uh, he contributed I think uh, this I'm not very sure but I, I find it in the internet it says that he contributed to the uh, musics of Lord of the Rings. Oh! But this I'm not sure. I didn't check, but uh, yeah, it, it was mentioned. It, it's very possible because yeah, he's a very big name uh, composer, so it's uh, quite possible. Uh, he was also a very crit- critical man, and he was <laughs> he keep, kept kept criticizing the uh, uh, the singer of the Rush about okay. how he should sing because oh, really? he was writing the lyrics and he, he said that, okay this you should sing like this this you should sing like that 
And yeah, they had a, a good relationship actually. Both three of them, it was one of the bands that I think they, did, when they get this uh, trio, they never changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the guitar player and the uh, bass and uh, slash uh, vocalist they were like high school buddies and they become very good friends with Neil mm-hmm. and they were they had always a good harmony and they were like, really open to criticism to each other they say but he he was like such a like a little asshole that was kind of putting his comments everywhere. I was not not, a, not an asshole, but he was like, like he, he wanted oh, to is, become. This is your comment. Eh? Yeah. I'm not saying anything. Uh, so uh, let's continue. He he was uh, it, as I mentioned, he was a shy guy, but he also said that while drumming, he had a, another side of him, a little monster inside of him, let's say, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he he couldn't really control it so this perfectionism he was getting a, a bit maybe too high uh, one yeah he had lots of incidents but one of the incidents that he broke the drum set and the uh, he just punched uh, the the snare because he was not able to do something that wanted to put during a d- record session mm-hmm. so yeah he was a kind of a uh, perfectionist i would say Let's continue. Uh, okay, one of the interesting and nice thing about him, he, he was going to the touring with his motorcycle. So in between concerts, he was always riding to the next venue with his motorcycle. And uh, well, it was a bit fearsome from the whole band because they were afraid if something happens to him, yeah, if he falls, etc., if uh, in injury come up, it will be like a disaster yeah. uh, for the tour. But yeah, he only had one issue <laughs> during these uh, episodes, and he had one incident in 1997, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just uh, injured his uh, left uh, leg. He fell in, with a motorcycle. Nothing serious, but he hided it until very late because he was very afraid that the insurance company uh, that insured the, the band would ban uh, his uh, him from riding motorcycles uh, to to the concerts. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't know. It would have would not be tiring to travel all the time with your motorcycle. Well, it's it's not that tiring, I would say. It's yeah, but <laughs> like maybe you have a month in which you are traveling like every two days plus plus you have to uh, to play. So I don't know. For me, it would be really tiring. Yeah, but but it's also very uh, how to say therapeutic to ride a motorcycle. So you can just clear your head, etc. So there are positives and negatives, maybe. Mm. And I, but I don't. I'm not sure about American roads, but I, I would expect that they are like straight lines, and it's not very tiring to just go straight with your motorcycle. Yeah. Okay. But the point is that you cannot use it this time to just uh, take a nap or something. So yeah. maybe your yeah the other members does it. You don't do it, and then you're super tired when you have to play. Well, uh, another fun fact that a uh, well when his youth he was like he was he tried to drink and also like do some drugs but then he realized that it wasn't really affecting him nicely mm-hmm. especially like with alcohol etc he said that he was becoming a, another man that he didn't like so for most of his years as a musician since uh, quite a young age he never drank okay uh, or they did uh, drugs so m- maybe if you have a like healthy life 
then this touring uh, tempo doesn't really affect you that much okay well i don't know i never edit so <laughs> i cannot judge yeah so this is now i will share something very interesting it, it was also very fascinating for me in the late 1990s so main nearly end of his career uh, he was already in hall of fame etc so he was already a very well respected drummer he realized that uh, his drumming was not good enough mm-hmm. and he wasn't happy with himself and he uh, listened to to a uh, to a band called journey and uh, steve smith is the drummer of journey and he realized that he improved a lot Uh, between uh, a couple of uh, years ago mm-hmm. and he went and asked him what happened so what he did to just improve himself that much and he was very impressed he said that he started to get lessons from a jazz drummer called Freddie Gruber okay and well the next thing he did in the morning he contacted that uh, Freddie Gruber and uh, he put like a one year or one and a half year uh, stop to his uh, career with Rush mm-hmm. to just take intensive class with uh, Freddie Gruber and he changed all his play style in one and a half year also and I think it's very impressive to to change as, to change your play style for 25 years that was so in your uh, route mm-hmm. uh, to evolve it to become something else and to continue your career even better than before it's i think very impressive thing that mm-hmm. many musicians won't be able to do that and many I, i think many big names like this they also don't think that they have a huge ego to go to another drummer to take classes in my opinion mm-hmm. so this also shows how open he is to to improve let's say uh, let's continue well when a young age he moved to England because yeah in, in England was the like the uh, the country to make uh, rock music right uh, back then in in the 70s 80s all the big rock bands were coming out of England so mm-hmm. he said that from Canada I won't be able to do much I won't be famous so he went to England he worked uh, yeah, how to say in a jewelry store for <laughs> for one year then he came, came back to so Canada he eh? was not uh, successful yeah Uh, let's continue. I, I have a couple more, uh, a couple more interesting facts. Uh, well, uh, he was uh, also he was donating lots of lots of money to charity, also mm-hmm. his family, uh, because yeah, he had a very hard life. Uh, so as I mentioned, his daughter passed in a in a. Uh, in a car crash yeah. when she was very young and uh, a couple of years later his the, the mother of his daughter so the, his uh, first wife yeah uh, or f- first partner he died she died from cancer okay and uh, well she always he always said that uh, she passed uh, away from a broken heart okay so yeah he was uh, how to say he He had a he went through a very uh, rough patch uh, in his life in the l- late 90s, I would say. Uh, then then uh, he, he remarried in t- uh, 2000 with an American uh, woman and they uh, went to California to settle in uh, mm-hmm. with his bands uh, with his band also. Uh, let's see. 
the one one funny thing that uh, the the uh, the years that he was uh, he hired uh, by Rush, he was already playing in a band called Hush. Oh come on, <laughs> seriously? I don't, I'm not sure if this information is 100% truth, but if it's true, it's just it's just uh, very funny. So uh, an interesting fact: he was uh, seen in some magazines, in some media. He was seen like one of the best uh, lyricists and writer in rock. In others, he was seen. <laughs> he was in the list of the worst uh, lyricists in rock. So yeah, I think he was not uh, everyone's cup of tea. I would mm-hmm. say his his writing. But well, if you ask me, I I really like him. Yeah, but I think, I mean, Rush is a really uh, famous band, so I guess that at the end, uh, um, it was not bad after all, yeah, right? Yeah, I think he was uh, very good. Uh, he was the youngest uh, drummer to uh, to be selected to the Modern Drummers uh, magazine's uh, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of the most well-known uh, drumming magazine. And he was he uh, getting the, to this list in the 29 years old, which is the which is the youngest uh, ever uh, going in the list. Uh, yeah, that's more or less uh, all about him, I would say. Yeah, he's uh, he wrote some uh, the, the books that he wrote. M- some of them were about the losses of his uh, daughter. daughter and his uh, ex-wife, and uh, some of them was the uh, about the travels. The travels uh, that you with, made with uh, motorcycle because oh. he also other than uh, touring, he was also he was a big fan of uh, motor tours. He had a <laughs> he had a riding buddy. Uh, but uh, he was banned from uh, United States because he was arrested with some uh, substance that he shouldn't have. He was banned? Uh, not, not Neil Peart, the, the riding buddy of uh, Neil Peart. Ah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, and in January 7th of 2020, he died at the age of 67 uh, for, uh, from brain cancer. Yeah, uh, this and is very sad. Yeah, he's always I think he's looked one of the greatest drummer as he's looked yeah there are like John Bonham him uh, the, the who guy I forgot the name but those they say that these are the like fathers of uh, rock and metal drumming mm-hmm. mainly. yeah actually in your biography you spoke about two drummers right yeah okay yeah mm-hmm. well uh, as drummer yourself I understand why it's yeah. so fascinating no but for me I, w- I wanted to do the biographies about the people that like were my heroes mm-hmm. but Danny Carey I still think that he is one of the best in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the world and I really I think I will never be able to play any songs of him uh, like I can play some simplified versions but uh, from beginning to end it's just uh, I think it's impossible for me uh, this guy is just uh, Neil Peart when you watch the videos when you watch the uh, solos etc it's like watching a like a big uh, uh, organization let's say it's, it's of course it's a one man uh, doing uh, stuff with drums but it sounds so full and so uh, fascinating that uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange not strange but it's like amazing to see things you can do with with a, with a drum set 
When, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that's the feeling that I have. Uh, I saw a meme uh, in, in one of the uh, uh, Facebook pages that I follow, uh, groups that I follow uh, the, the, about uh, the drummers. He said, okay, my light bulb just uh, exploded. Yeah. I just don't want to change because I know that Neil Peart would change it much better than me. So it's like every drummer can do stuff, yeah. but they always had that feeling that Neil Peart will do it better than you do Okay. <laughs> anything. So, yeah, yeah, he was a very uh, special person. I also really like uh, progressive rock, and Rush is <coughs> one of the founding fathers of progressive uh, rock music. So I just wanted to do about him. Okay. Yeah. yeah, shall we make a quick recap about our series of biographies? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, we had um, Till Lindemann. Yes. Uh, we started <laughs> very high, I would say, about weirdness. Yeah, with Rammstein. Uh -huh. Then we had Danny Carey from... Uh, Tool. Tool. No, sorry, not a uh -huh. perfect circle. I uh, mixed them because there is the same singer. Then we had uh, Emma Ruth Rundle. Yes. Uh, you had two death metal musicians. No, two black metal. Black metal, sorry. Yeah, you know that I don't remember one of them. Yeah, I, I think one of them was the one with the pig hands, no? Yeah, this was Silencer. Uh-huh. And, and the second one? Uh, the gay one. Oh, yes. Um, oh, God. Which is his name? Uh, from Gorgoroth. Yes. Yes, I forgot the name. Mm -hmm. And then we had uh, we finished with, with uh, Neil Peart yeah. uh, from mm -hmm. Rush. So really a, a variety of people that come yeah. from uh, everywhere. Uh, and this shows also, I think, the difference between uh, your taste and my taste yeah. of music. Exactly. Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, let's hope that uh, people enjoy to hear about these yeah. uh, characters. Well, to be honest, uh, yesterday when I, I did my research about who to uh, about whom to make this biography, I, I typed in Google the uh, weirdos in metal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it was I saw a couple of lists. Uh, one of them was twenty five people, and to be honest, I only knew Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And uh, Rob Zombie. Yeah. The rest were like uh, Norwegian, Swedish guy from uh, black metal scene. Oh my All God. of them, to be honest. That they have something wrong really in their countries, yeah. I guess. I, I think also uh, in one of the lists, uh, Tim uh, Tildeman. Uh, Till Lindemann. Till Lindemann was also in the list. But uh, the, the rest of the like 35 guy that I wrote, I also saw your uh, pig, ta uh, pig hand guy yeah. in the list, also your gay guy. So only only these guys uh, are considered weirdos, I would say. Yeah, well, uh, if you want to have like a nice story about uh, weird stuff, uh, uh, yeah, you open the black metal chapter uh, from the nineties until now. Uh, everything you find happened. something. Yeah. Yeah, there was something wrong in the in the in the country in that period, I guess, because it was not only related to black metal. Also, outside of mm. the music, mm -hmm. there were like some issues, uh, like people committing homicide and stuff like this. So mm -hmm. I don't know what what happened, but then I uh, I think that they calmed down because I didn't hear anything else. Uh, for from the 2000 on mm. so yeah so anyway yeah we did mm -hmm. this nice series i yeah. hope you enjoyed and uh, let's well, see i i think the most underwhelming one was emma rutrandel i really thought that she had something special <laughs> but she didn't she was just a, like a kind of depressed <laughs> country girl <laughs> singing rock yeah probably we, there's uh, weirdos around but they're not so famous yeah, well, I would say that I I tried to see. I I just checked the people that I listen to see if they have something weird. For instance, I was 
going to I was thinking about Nick Mason, the drummer of uh, Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. that he had such an ordinary life. Okay. He ha- he is a millionaire. Uh, the mo- yeah, the most interesting thing about him, he he competed and finished a Le Mans 24 hour race. Ah, okay. uh, it's very nice, but yeah, yeah it's, not it's, really it's not weird. It's, yeah, he, he he has a car collection of millions of pounds. Yeah. But when you are the drummer of Pink Floyd, you literally have so much money. Yeah. I think Pink Floyd still is after michael jackson the, the band who sold the most uh, record mm, in I, histories oh okay i think still the dark side of the moon is the f- first uh, in the list about the most sold uh, albums so yeah of course you have money the, back then they were actually making money yeah also we did not think to make like a biography about brett michaels I really don't have any positive feeling about him. <laughs> no, yeah, but it would have been interesting to analyze his TV career because yeah. he did so many TV series, like reality shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, I, it was just a joke. But uh, I guess that he made a lot of... Uh, it, because he became an icon, even if it's a trash icon, mm-hmm. I think he made a lot of money. More yeah. than with Poison. Possible, possible. For me, uh, I, the other day I was uh, watching a... Uh, you know the watch mojo videos they do lists ah okay top, top 10 20 top 20 lists and i just saw a list of the songs that were uh, like hardest to sing the top 20 songs that is hardest to sing 15 songs were hair metal songs literally okay. because just they scream so high yeah. and i think it's very hard to scream that high none of them was poison so there was like many bands like, even the bands that i checked that like five people knew they had really good, uh, I would say, vocalists, uh, but our guy was not in the list. Yeah, <laughs> but at the end, Poison is famous only for one song, the one that they constantly use in the TV series. Oh. Uh, the one, uh, na, 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 for a good time. Ah, uh, that one. I think uh. it's the only one that got famous. No, but but I think they were kind of big back then. Well, I know the uh-huh. name, yes. Yeah. I don't know, maybe they were big because they were based in uh, Los Angeles that's possible they were so. probably they were playing with bigger bands mm-hmm. and they, they did a name and well let's be honest when he was young he was also yeah. kind of hot so him and Axel Rose they were pretty uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but but when I check for instance uh, James Hetfield was also quite handsome eh? when he was young yeah, I think true. now he's also I think he's the most charismatic uh, frontman in, in, in metal right now I would say uh, these are, I don't agree but uh, <laughs> no, the, no I'm not saying he's an extremely good singer etc but when you see him in the stage i think he has uh, the the biggest uh, presence i would say yeah but still there are too many to compare with uh, that's why i don't agree no. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of metallica i never been i don't really see what is the nice thing about them uh, they were a game changer in okay, the, in okay. The past. I mean, I can I can agree with that. But if I listen to their music, even if I listen to the Black Album, mm. I, I'm not. Uh, but, but I would say the Black Album wasn't their best album. But the, everyone says that the Black Album. Yeah, is but the because best. it's the easiest to listen. Ah, no, okay. I think for instance, "And Justice for All" is is an extremely good album. And th- there is also a conspiracy theory that in that album the drums were recorded by a session musician because Lars couldn't play, and. Uh, when they play it live still they they play it simplified in the drums for yeah, the okay. songs from that album might be but this is also very strange for me because you're a drummer and your 
life is drumming. So you had like 30 years. How you still cannot learn how to play those songs? Yeah, but if you're not talented, it doesn't matter how many years. Huh? No, but some th- some things you can. I think you can improve with work. With yeah, but not work. everything. Or maybe he did not want to spend so much energy about it. I mean, uh, how many albums do they have? A lot so. Uh, and but, but I would say the last two three albums may, maybe that magnetic was good I, I like that album but the others were not so impressive in my opinion so I think they did a good job not doing like new music and play the hits for me it's good enough some bands should do that mm-hmm. if you cannot really improve yourself or do something different that would be uh, again a game changer then just stick to the roots and uh, play the nice songs yeah well okay that was all that was all and it was already 40 minutes yes so uh, we close it here and see yeah. you the next episode bye